0: welcome to the thrive
1: church podcast listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our sunday worship services and select special services lead pastor brian bauer as well as guest speakers will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for
0: our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to
1: give, or how to find us, visit the all-new Encounter And now, here is our message. Good morning, Thrive. Merry Christmas. Uh, well, we've had the flu running through our house, and we are all better. Except for my wife. So we are, uh, we are, and it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. The flu, I'd had it and I'd called the doctor one day and they're like, well, how do you know, how do you know it's the flu? And it's funny, you know, they're so weird about like tests and what you got to do these days and like, it's always like, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not i 'm not maybe eighty, but i 'm also not twenty i 've been doing this for a minute. <laughs> I know when i 'm sick- and sure enough, our daughter did end up getting a test because she needed some medicine and and they 're like, yeah it's the flu. whoa you know it it 's so hard not to want to call back the doctor 's office and be like i'll tell you how I know, <laughs> you know because uh some things you just know right some things that just You know what's going on with you. You know what's going on in your body. You know what's what's happening, what isn't, right? You know, sometimes we know when something's wrong, you know. Well, sometimes that voice, that knower, is something called the prophetic. Not always, but sometimes that's what it is. Sometimes it's bad pizza, um, and sometimes it's something else. And and so there's different Sundays in Advent. Advent is the season that was started in the church probably between the years three and 500 A.D. We don't believe in B.C.E., we believe in A.D. and B.C., just saying. All right, so, so and in that window of time, um, the church basically established the idea of building up to the Christmas season of the anticipation, and that's what Advent means, kind of to anticipate the oncoming of our Lord being born. It's an exciting time. And, and, and I love, if you don't know, I love Christmas. Finally got my lights up this week after I stopped feeling like death warmed over, and, and got my lights up. It's funny, you get all this work, and then you stand back and you're like, I thought there'd be more. <laughs> you know, like, I want, the, I want the house on the block that everybody's like, wow, and yet I don't because I don't want the electric bill. Um... And so, anyway, we, it, it just wasn't, it's not quite there, but I love this time of year because I, I sense it, right? I mean, the world almost senses it. It's like there's this stop across the globe that says somebody and someone is coming. Something is happening in our midst. The world stops and recognizes the birth of the Savior, even, even though they don't know they are. Right? How many of us have watched like a Christmas movie and in the background you're hearing, Oh Holy Night? Now, in that moment, they're worshiping and they don't even know they're worshiping. There's something happening. And that is the prophetic voice of the Holy Spirit echoing across our globe saying, I'm here. I'm speaking.
2: And one of the most prophetic cries in all of human history is a baby. Crying out: "Bethlehem, late one night That's one of the most prophetic voices of all time. And this week,
1: as we talk about prophecy, some, some years it's, it's different words, but this, this year, so last week is hope, this week is prophecy. Next week is joy. And, and, and next week will be a joy. It's our Christmas program, our Christmas extravaganza. I'm excited. Anybody excited? So it'll either be amazing or a hot mess and amazing. It's going to be one of those two things, and either way, it's awesome and a blast, and God moves. Um, Why would it be a hot mess? Because it's really hard to practice in a gym that doesn't belong to you. Um, So we're going to practice for a few minutes after service today, uh, and then next week we'll get in what we can. But those can be challenging. So we have the best tech team on the planet that's willing to be like... <clears throat> yeah, they're not allowed in the bagging cages and they swing away when we say it's time to go. So, um, uh, and, and when we do that, like, it's an exciting anticipatory time of what's happening and what God is doing. And this book in the Old Testament, Isaiah, the, the prophecy we're talking about today, the book of Isaiah talks about prophecy. It's, it's filled with prophecy. Isaiah was a prophet. He's, the Old Testament, if you don't know, the Bible's divided up into sections, different types of books, okay? There's the Pentateuch, that's the first five books of the Old Testament. Some might call it the Torah. Um, Then there's major prophets and minor prophets, and that is divided simply on length, right? So those of you who are like, Pastor Brian preaches too long, I'm just trying to be a major preacher, not a minor one. I'm just kidding, (laughs) I'm just kidding. But um, that's, that's how the Old Testament's divided. Like, if you talked for a longer amount of time and more is written down, you're a major prophet. And Amos is somewhere in the back of heaven being like, come on. All I had to do was, I was just trying to keep everybody's time schedule going. And so he's a minor prophet. And Isaiah has more prophecy about Jesus than any other Old Testament book. And here's what's really super cool. I think this is awesome. So, in the 1940s, uh, what's happened in the last 200 years, if you don't know, secularization has really taken over the globe. And at times, what I mean by secularization is basically we're natural people, there is no God, the supernatural doesn't exist. That, that's really taken hold. And a few times in our history, in the last 200 years, that, there's kind of been a stop to it. One of those points was the early 1900s, because a little thing called World War I took place and people began to realize maybe the idea that man is inherently good isn't true that if we just nurture
2: and and nature then man will be good we found out that doesn't happen no we can be awful to each other and then 20
1: some years later when we when they were doubting the validity of the bible altogether a shepherd in a desert
2: is throwing rocks looking for a lost sheep. This is a true story. And as he throws a rock into a cave, he hears something break. And he walks in and he discovers
1: biblical manuscripts from 2,000 years ago dated within a few hundred years of the life of Christ. It's called the Dead Sea Scrolls, and Isaiah was the largest portion of it portions of Isaiah, and their prophecy about the coming Savior. And other ones that weren't part of the Dead Sea Scrolls, but still part of the same finding, archaeological finding, were the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, so much they could trace the papyrus back to the life and times of Christ. We have more evidence that Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose again than we do that Julius Caesar existed. And we always doubt the validity. Why? Because the supernatural is a little upsetting to us. It doesn't quite sit right with us that God can speak something out of nowhere. And so some of you are like, not not me. I'm in church. I love God. I believe that. Right? But then we go a little further. Well, can God speak to you prophetically about your life out of nowhere? And then you're like, well, I don't know about that. I, I don't like that. And then I'm like, all right. So there's your boundary. There's That's too far for you with God. And there's a balance to the prophetic. But God speaks through Isaiah, probably four to 500 years before Christ exists, and and prophesies about the life of Christ and all that he would do for us. And Jesus fulfills all of those prophecies. And we're going to talk about that and how amazing it is. But if you have an issue with prophetic, you have an issue with the prophet whose name is Jesus. The Bible tells us, most theolo- every theologian agrees, Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. All in one. You see, in the Old Testament, that's all we had. Some of you are like, what is prophecy? Well, here's the basic thing. What is prophecy? Prophecy is a message from God delivered internally or externally beyond natural ability. That's what prophecy is. It's God speaking Sometimes from seemingly out of nowhere. Some of you are very versed in this. You're like, yep, believe it, it's awesome. Some of you are like, yeah, I mean, I believe it in the Bible. And some of you are like, I have never heard of this. Okay? It is exactly what it says on the screen. Okay? Now, what it is not, what it is not is outside of God's word. Okay? Does somebody else prophesize to you? You're going to grow seven eyes on the back of your head. That's not a prophet. That's somebody who needs mental help. Okay? That's outside of the Bible. That's extra biblical, and it's weird and crazy. You don't have to listen to that. Okay? But somebody who speaks in the prophetic or hears from something prophetically from the Holy Spirit might have an insight into your life you would not have normally had. And you know it's from the Lord because they don't know anything about you. I've had those moments. Those moments have happened to me. Those moments have happened through me. It's happened to many of you. And it's an amazing thing. And it didn't end with Jesus. It got started with Jesus. It got started back in the Old Testament, but it changed. You need to understand. Somebody, my wife and I were having this conversation earlier this week. The idea of the Old Testament God versus the New Testament God. No, it's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. True, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, amen? All right, however, the rules are not the same, which is why there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. And the office of the prophet is not like what it was. I drew up a Venn diagram, do we have that? Oh, you guys are awesome. I drew up kind of, this is kind of, I did this and I'm pretty proud of it. It's like a little Venn diagram of like what prophecy was in the Old Testament, New Testament, and, and what kind of crosses over. So in the Old Testament, one of the offices uh, of the prophet was like direct rebukes to nations, like uh, you're all gonna, if you don't all do this and you don't all do that, etc." that office is not, you don't see that in the New Testament. Some would say, well, what about Revelation? My wife brought up that question, which is a good, which is a good point, but I, I want you to notice something about Revelation. At no point does he really call out too many nations in Revelation. He calls out churches, And then he calls out, like, the global church, and then says basically what's going to happen. But at no point does he say, Rome will do this. It's not in there. Now, we have allusions, A-L-L, not I-L, allusions to Rome and Revelation and other nations. But at no point. It talks about Babylon. It's not necessarily talking about Iran. It might be. It's hard to know sometimes with unfulfilled prophecy. But... It's not the same now, okay? So the Old Testament prophet, thank God, is not the New Testament prophet. And the reason is, this is the only way they could hear from God back then. In the Old Testament, it was you had a prophet or you had a priest, and that was it. That was how you're, and a king, which is interesting, right? The prophet, the priest, and the king were the ways you heard from God. And what was Jesus? Say it louder. So, when he became all three of those and fulfilled all those, then he gave us the Holy Spirit in order to hear from God ourselves and through ourselves so that we no longer have to hear from just these certain special spiritual people because we all get the Holy Spirit now. All right, so calling judgment on nations. Now, some have seen people on TV who are like, you know, years ago, I remember when Hurricane Katrina happened and a certain TV personality, spiritual person, Said, oh, this is God's judgment, and this is me prophesying. And the thing is, it's not that prophetic when you say it after it happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're like, I don't, I don't know if he's that insightful. Maybe he's just a jerk. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, was that God's judgment? I don't know. And what? Well, he said it, so therefore it's true. Yeah, uh, uh. <laughs> Um... And, and also, another thing in Old Testament would call for national repentance. Now, there, is there anything wrong in the New Testament calling for national repentance? No. But saying, I call for national repentance, or else God will pour out this X bowl of judgment on you. That's really not a New Testament office of a prophet. There is a prophet in the New Testament, and we're going to talk about it. But it isn't that. Okay? Now, In the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 14.3 is the full and total explanation of what the New Testament prophet does. And here's what it does. Edify, exhort, comfort. Here's what that means. Encourage, build up, comfort. (laughs) All right, say it with me. Encourage, build up, comfort. So if somebody comes to you and says, I have a word of the Lord for you, and it's if you don't break off this relationship You will face the seven plagues and boils. You don't have to listen to that. It's not true. Because that's not what the office of the prophet does now. And it's not to say that there is no warning, but that's not the prophetic. It's actually a different gift called the word of knowledge, which is a whole other conversation. We're not going to get into it today. Okay? Because we don't have time. All right? And I don't want to keep you too long. And I want us to be able to practice and not get yelled at. All right, so this is really what the office of the prophet does now. It's not that there is an insight from another place. So if God gave me a prophetic word saying, hey, you're, you're really struggling, and the Lord would say, I, I see your struggle, but I'm going to come through for you. I'm going to deliver you out of it, and, and this is what's going to happen. But see, that's prophetic. But at the end of that conversation, is that person going to walk away saying, uh, I hate them, and I'm so discouraged? No. They would leave built up. Now again, one thing we need to understand is anything from the Holy Spirit to us and through us should always be
2: aligned with his word. His word is our foundation. Okay? It is our landing zone. Okay,
1: so when we say, oh, God's told me to leave my spouse for this person. No, he didn't. There is no possible way he told you that. That's, that's a tough one, though. Sometimes people think God spoke that. It happened to me at Bible college. We had a professor. She was a great professor. She left her husband because, quote, God told her to. And she was going to expand her ministry after that. Her ministry expanded to bagging groceries at a grocery store. And her kids hating her.
2: All right? Because she didn't hear from the Holy Spirit in that moment. Now, she might have been in a bad marriage and needed a long journey
1: of walking through it with it, Maybe, but the Holy Spirit didn't say that. See what I mean? So that wasn't the prophetic, that was pathetic. (laughs) See what I mean? And where's the crossover? The crossover is he still comforts us. He does course correct, okay? Sometimes he uses the prophetic in our lives to course correct us and say, go this way. Sometimes he uses it to confirm something in our life, like, man, God's been speaking that to me, and now I knew, like, yes, that is what I'm supposed to do. Thank you. So all of those things are good and true. All right. So the prophetic is powerful, and Jesus was. Is it fair to say Jesus was the greatest prophet? Yeah, you can say yes. Jesus was the greatest. Whatever you can probably say yes. Okay. All right. So if you're like, well, I I follow, I follow, I follow uh, Jimmy, Jimmy. Jimmy so-and-so on YouTube, and they are a great prophet. And they've told me how how LeBron is going to be the next president. And I would say to that, please stop watching that. (laughs) Don't unsubscribe. What I find interesting is the person who says they're hearing something prophetically in the Holy Spirit and very little to none of it happens, or even if it does, it, why would God give them the information? If God is telling you things about things you have no influence over, it is one of two things. It is either one, because he's called you to a ministry of intercession where you're supposed to pray a
2: whole lot. Or two, you don't hear from God and you're weird. It's one of those two. Seriously. God told me, you know, um, Nixon's going to come back
1: from the grave and be the president. No, he's not. That is not going to happen. Stop. There was a slew of prophets who said, oh, Trump is going to be president again. And then it didn't happen. Now, a bunch of them then explained it away and said, well, he was, but this is what happened. Okay, time out. So now you just took God's word, watered it down, and explained away why what God said didn't
2: happen. Now look, no matter what your feelings on the election are, God is God. And his word is never mistaken. So if you've listened to those voices, I encourage you, stop not because they're
1: evil, bad people and I'm judging their hearts, but because his word is richer. And if you want to know what the Holy Spirit's saying, if you know what the word says, you're going to know what the Holy Spirit's saying. Deepen your roots there. All right, some of you didn't like that. Throw it out if you don't like it. All right, why is prophecy so important? Why are we spending time
2: on this today? Why? Because God's word never dies. Everything God says doesn't end.
1: When God speaks, that is it, and it goes forth, and it never changes. And prophecy is part of that. It is not equal to the Bible. Okay, Just saying that is not equal to the Bible. So if God told you one thing through his word and something else through somebody else, go to the word first, always and forever, right? Okay, moving on. So in Isaiah 40, there's a prophecy about Jesus coming, and I love this. And at this time, at this point in history, God's people are in exile. They are trapped. They are imprisoned. And here's what God says through the prophet Isaiah. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. I love that. The first thing God says is, I want to comfort you. You know what it doesn't say? I hate you and your sin and your ugly face. No. No. Some of us want that, right? Some of us, that's the word from God we want. Burn them, God. They're the worst. And and the Lord's like, no, that's not what I want to do. Comfort. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that the sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for all her sins. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. The prophet comes from the unexpected. Right here, right now, he is talking partially about Jesus, but also right before him, John the Baptist. Somebody's coming out of the wilderness. The desert, and it's going to be John the Baptist, and he's going to say, hey,
2: look, the Messiah is here and coming. Get up, look around, see. A prophetic voice can
1: sometimes just come out of nowhere. And that was John the Baptist. What seemingly, see, God hadn't spoken or been recorded to have spoken for almost 400 years at this point. And then all of a sudden, this stirring starts happening in Jerusalem. There's a lot of people claiming to be the Messiah. And then there's this weird guy in the desert who wears like, who wears weird poor man's clothes, eats bugs, and he's crying to everybody, repent and follow the Lord! And everybody's like, yeah! And all the Pharisees are like, I don't, I don't like this guy
2: <laughs> who gave him a book deal. Shut him up. And he's preparing the way for Jesus. And he doesn't, he doesn't fit the mold. You ever had somebody
1: speak into your life and you're like, I hate that they were right. That's John the Baptist. And quick side note, some of us I know we're fans of, and some of us really love the TV show The Chosen. And, and that's great if you do. A lot of great things in it. Really insightful and unique things. But there was one episode And it was the episode with John the Baptist. It was way off, and I didn't care for it. It was basically Jesus rebuking him for being too political. That, I would tell you, would be outside of the Bible and almost anti-the Bible because Jesus said about John the Baptist, he's the greatest man that ever lived. Jesus said that about him. And when you have a TV show contradicting something the Bible says, that's the part where you're like, I don't care for that episode. Now again, they're people. They're doing the best. People make mistakes. Not saying don't watch it, not saying don't receive from it, not saying don't enjoy it. That episode's off. Okay, moving on. All right. Jesus in his lifetime does insane things. Miraculous. I mean, at one point, one of the New Testament writers says, we, if we wrote down everything Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough time. We couldn't do it. In three years. Why? Well, maybe because he's God, right? And then he, he fulfills all these prophecies in the Old Testament over and over. Check this out. This is, and out of nowhere. This is what happens in his life, okay? One scholar, J. Barton Payne, found as many as 574 verses in the Old Testament somehow point or describe a reference to the coming Messiah. Alfred Edersheim found 456 Old Testament verses referring to the Messiah or his times. Conservatively, Jesus fulfilled at least a little over 300 prophecies in his earthly ministry. The Bible's filled with messianic prophecies. Mathematician Peter Stoner counted the probability of one person fulfilling even
2: a small number of them. The chance of the prophesied Messiah filling just eight is one in that many zeros. And Jesus fulfilled them all many of which Jesus could never
1: have controlled if he were just a man, like being born of a Virgin Mary, being born in the city of Bethlehem. Anybody here pick your hospital before you're born? Anybody? Like as a baby, you're like, I really I appreciate the Jewish hospital over here really thorough. <laughs> like, no, you had no say! Right? And if it was your first kid, how many of us when we had our first kid were just like... Get there as fast as we can. My wife, now she is a little woman. And the handle on the car, she pretty much broke and loosened and stripped out the screws by the time we got to, I was just like, man, dang, that is something. <laughs> right? She just, and I remember, we got to get to the hospital. We didn't know for the longest time that she was in labor because she had back labor for the first time. So she just thought she had back pain. Until we, you know, at some point you know, we'll just leave it at that, <laughs> right? And then and that's the point where it's like, oh, it's, it's go time, here we go. And it's, it's expected and yet unexpected. That is the prophetic voice. That is a, a whispering, a, a silhouette, a, a, a
2: reflection of the Holy Spirit of Jesus. That is Christmas. God crying out in the middle of nowhere. What's seemingly unknown saying, I am here. I am real. I love you. Anybody ever had God speak to you out of nowhere? You're not seeking Him. You're not praying. I don't feel spiritual. This ain't happening. Just bam. Those are some of the best times. And that is a prophetic moment. It's awesome. You don't have to run from it, lean into it. Sometimes we think God can't or won't.
1: Now, he can come from the most obscure places. What I would tell you is if you are a follower of Jesus, the more your heart should open, not close, the more available to the Holy Spirit at any given time you should be. Because he can
2: speak anywhere at any time through anyone. And when he does, yeah, it's amazing. And even though you're like, well, it should be normal for us. Some of you say, well, that should be normal for us as Christians.
1: And while I would agree it should be normal that we hear from God at any given moment, we should never get used to it. Because we should never treat God so casually. Every time he speaks, we should be like, all right.
2: This is a moment. Thank you, Jesus. The prophet levels the immovable. immovable. Verse 4, right? Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. You know, the longer you're a Christian, the more you're going to find that God can move anything out of the way. Even you. He can change your viewpoints on
1: things that you thought didn't need any changing. He can grow you in ways that you're like, no, no, I've ascended the hill of the Lord and I have arrived. And the Lord's like, no, no, you're not there. You know, it's interesting. I love that portion of Scripture, the transfiguration, where they're called up and he calls up Peter, James, and John and they come up the hill and and Jesus transforms into like his full glory and Elijah the prophet and Moses are there, and they're just having a conversation. And Peter in that moment is Peter. And he's like, this this, this is amazing. We should build houses. Which is like, what? (laughs) I I know what we should, God, this is such an amazing moment. I've got it. Real estate. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? which I think Jim Baker, again, tried in the 80s. But, um, so, so this is what happens. And, and Jesus, I love it. Jesus doesn't even rebuke him. He just does one of those, anyways. And he goes back to this conversation, right? But this is what happens out of nowhere. And, 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 and Peter, Peter eventually
2: becomes the, the immovable rock, becomes the moldable rock, because eventually God takes him and works on him, and he becomes the voice of the first church on the day of Pentecost. What seemingly
1: immovable? like, I wonder, were James and John, like, Peter, shut up that day on the mountain, like, shut up, dude, just shut up. Do you realize what's happening? Stop talking about building stuff. <laughs> and, and, but, but he did. And
2: that moment, God can begin to move the immovable. And sometimes the immovable is us. There's a cool story. Anybody here ever heard of Max Lucado? Okay, if you've been a Christian
1: for a while, you probably have. If you don't know, I'll tell you who he is. He is a pastor into probably his late 60s now. But he's written many, many books. Uh, and he had a series of cartoons, too. My kids watched them. I forget. Was that Busby? Is that him? One of those. Um, and Hermie, Herbie, Hermi, something like that. That's it, Hermie, right? All, all us insider Christians who've been around, like, and we all get it, and some of you are like, what? <laughs> um, and, and you're better off. So anyway, but he's written many famous books. He's got a gigantic church in Texas and been around a very long time, extremely insightful. His books are brilliant. He has such a way to communicate. And this is kind of a neat thing, That happened to him take a look at this in the last couple years
0: a significant uh gift came my way and this will surprise a lot of the audience it already has sure surprised our church uh but you know when i was 64 uh on a july morning as i was praying i began praying in tongues Mm. um i i was i had taken serious i had not done anything different except uh I came across the passage where the Apostle Paul said, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. And I guess I thought, oh, I had all the gifts that I was supposed to have given to me when I became a Christian. Well, maybe so, maybe. But he says eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. I said, Lord, is there any other gift? You desire for me. And I, I prayed that every morning for two or three weeks. And then one morning, early in the morning, I began praying uh, in a heavenly language. Again, I had been taught those languages were discontinued. And I really am not raising this topic. So somebody can send me an email. Okay. I'm really not. The Restoration uh, Herald is writing an <laughs> article right now. So <laughs> I, I, you know, I get it. And if that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, Advocating one way or the other. But I will say that it is just a tender moment every morning yeah. when I enjoy it. So that you regularly now in pray in tongues as part of your prayer time? Yes, sir. Yes. Okay. Sir. Were you, do you consider that you experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit at that time? You said earlier that uh, you received the Holy Spirit at conversion. Do you see that as a baptism of the Holy Spirit or is that a subsequent filling with some gifts? How would you describe that? You know, when people ask me if, uh, do I, do I think that there is a, uh, a post-conversion experience right. of the Holy Spirit? Uh, and, and my answer is, I think there is, but not just one. Okay. I think there's almost daily.
1: There's not one post-conversion experience. There's so many. And, and Now, that was a man who, he said it right there. He was what we called in the church kingdom a cessationist. He believed the gifts of the Spirit ended at the end of the New Testament. He's well into his 60s. He has a storied ministry career,
2: major impact, and an amazing man of God. And then one day, just in his quiet time, boom, God does something new. Was God keeping this from him? Or was Max Lucado maybe the immovable force? That God's like, I'm just going to move you. I'm just going to move on you. God can move anything.
1: I want you to think about the person in your life who you love so much and is so far from God and is so lost and is so stubborn and is so angry and is so so unforgiving and is so uh, confused and dominated by this world. And
2: I want you to ask the question, can God move them? Can God move you? Spoiler alert, yes. (laughs) He can, and he does. When we're faithless, he's not. I love that we serve a God that when I give up hope, he doesn't. It would be hard to give up hope when he
1: is hope. (laughs) When I can't see, he removes blinders.
2: When I think there's no way this will happen, God's like, I, I can move any. You know, when Jesus is born, King Herod basically creates a decree I'm going to kill every
1: boy in this region who's under two years or three years old. And you know what the Lord does? He moves on Mary and Joseph, hey, get out of town. And then wise men come and visit him and give him gifts. And on their way
2: back, they're supposed to report to Herod, and the Lord speaks to them, and you know what he does? He just moves them. Isn't that amazing? Or you just move it. Sometimes you're not necessarily even doing something wrong, and the Lord's just like, I just want to move you. The Lord can move anything. And finally, when the prophet
1: proclaims, the prophet, the prophetic proclaims the impossible. I posted it this morning, and I thought it was pretty good. It's a quote from Catherine Coleman, who's a great woman of God, a story, a great, amazing ministry that she had. But she said this. I'm going to pull it up because I don't want to mess it up. Young man, she was asked a question from a young man: "What is faith?" And she said, "Young man, faith is when you quit believing what you see and start seeing what you believe." That's it. We're done. I'm okay. kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. We're here for another hour. No,
2: I'm kidding. (laughs) The The prophetic proclaims the impossible. We believe when everybody else gives up. We stand on God when everybody else bows out. The prophetic voice says to the world,
1: if it's right and good, it doesn't matter if nobody follows it, it's right and good. And I will stand and I will stand fast in the Lord and
2: I will believe the impossible. Say, my marriage is wrecked, but God. My family is destroyed, but God.
1: We have to become a people again who are filled with faith and proclaim the impossible. I'm not talking about a prophecy of like, God's going to give me seven houses in Tahiti and God's going to, you know, send me all over the world to collect offerings. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about seeing his kingdom come and proclaiming it. When we want to see somebody healed, we pray for it and believe, God, you
2: can. When we need provision, we pray and say, God, you can provide. You know, right now,
1: we as a church are at a place where I don't know what's going to happen with a building. We're, we're literally
2: kind of at a loss. <clears throat> oh, God. And I'll start and say, we need to
1: start, and it starts with me, proclaim the impossible. God will provide a building. He will open doors that no man can shut. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. Every crooked way he will make straight. He'll level mountains and raise up valleys for our sake. Not for, not for, not for human sake, not for advancement of an organization, but to see the kingdom move on the earth and in a region. That's why. We believe God and we start saying things. And we do it by the utterance of the Holy Spirit. We don't do it by, well, I would like this, so I'm just going to say it. I'd like three sweaters at Christmas. I'm going to prophetically say it. That's weird. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about things that are kingdom-based for his sake and his glory. And that's what a prophetic people
2: does. Jesus was the ultimate prophet, and we follow his model. Now you're like, I I don't understand that. I don't
1: understand how to move in that. I don't understand how to say that. Here's what I encourage you to do. Just start proclaiming the word. If you don't know what else to say, say the word. Say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and all your works are wonderful, and that my soul knows very well.
2: Psalm 139. Jeremiah 1, you knew me. You formed me in my mother's womb, and you appointed me. And I am no accident. He starts saying, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus.
1: I am dearly loved. First John, perfect love casts out fear. I will no longer live by fear because I am perfectly loved by my Father. I want you to go to the circumstance in your life that you think is immovable, impossible, and you don't see any other way of anything happening. And I just encourage you in faith and by God, start speaking to it. And I'm not talking about self-advancement. I'm talking about the kingdom of God moving upon it. Now hear me out, the child of God willingly says, even if you don't, I will praise you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, my God will deliver me, and even if he doesn't, I'm going to praise him. I'm not talking about proclaiming something for your or my ends of the outcome. I'm talking about seeing God move in the impossible, do what we never could and that he would get all the glory. This is what a prophetic people does. We begin to speak life. The Bible says it. This isn't a prosperity thing. The Bible says, "In the power of the tongue is life and death. Now, I grew up in, in such a way that sometimes I, I don't, I, I, I'm just not positive. Sometimes I'm negative. I've had cancer a 100 times, according to WebMD, and every time I've been right, except not at all ever, right? and I've learned sometimes I don't speak a lot of times I don't speak life I've learned at at the very least I'm just going to shut up because why speak death? it's gotten me nowhere some of us like me we're afraid to speak life and hope because what if it doesn't turn out that way? I know but what if what if you go home to be with Jesus and you went faith-filled the whole way what if you're like, oh, I woke up and I'm dead now and I'm in heaven? Ah, oh, I lost! No one's saying that. The throngs of heaven would stand and applaud. Say, like, man, well done. We speak life. And believe me, I'm preaching to myself today. We confront evil. We do. John the Baptist looked at the, looked at the king and said, sleeping around and it's got to stop. We confront evil not with a fight, with faith. And we give God glory most of all. If we are truly following Jesus, we should begin to learn that everything he does is awesome. We become less cynical, not more so. We, we start standing in awe more often than not. Our hearts get softer, not harder. That's a prophetic people. There's this idea that there's this office of the prophet that they just beat people up. That's not the Bible. That's some man-made weird version of that. Voice of the Lord and comforts and encourages and builds you up. John three seventeen, God did not come into the world to condemn it, but to save it. He came to seek and save you from the devil, from hell, yes, and also from yourself. It's so good. You know, one thing I love about church, I'm reminded week in and week out, my God is good. He's good. Sometimes I really want him to be angry. Sometimes I really want him to blow us up. Sometimes I'm Jonah and I'm like, America stinks now, God. They're filled with sinners. Kill them. You know, like, like how could you think that way? Sometimes I'm a sinner and I'm a jerk. God is good, and He's merciful, and He forgives, and He does the impossible. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in
0: your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10.